Welcome back to Revved Up for Sunday, a lectionary podcast for the Gospels of the upcoming Sunday. We are the clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. I'm John Kennedy. And I'm Rob Schwartz. And today we reach All Saints Sunday, and we get to hear one of the most beloved passages in all of Scripture, the Beatitudes. So let's hear the text. Matthew 5, 1 to 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we skip over. This is All Saints lections. Um, so we don't, we kind of go back to the, the Sermon on the Mount after yeah. we've reached a sort of climactic point in our, in our propers in ordinary time. Um, but it's, it's, an, it's a quite a feast day. This is one of our highest feast days in mm-hmm. the church. And we have baptisms. We commemorate all those who've died over the past year. Um, and it's, it's also just such a joyful feast. And uh, so it's interesting that this is our passage because I find it actually quite challenging. It's beautiful, but it, it's not, it's beloved and it's just not straightforward. No, no. Yeah. In, in fact, when I was a kid, my mom had uh, a stone tablet with the Beatitudes on them, which is obviously a parallel to the Ten Commandments, which we'll, I'm sure, talk about in a little while. But this was displayed in our home. And I was thinking, these aren't really things you can do. <laughs> like, the Ten Commandments are action-oriented. Mm-hmm. Interesting. These, not so much. And yet, this is how Jesus kicks off his greatest teaching. Um, he's, he's interested in something uh, mm-hmm. much uh, deeper yeah. than whether or not you follow some list of rules. Right. It's almost a way of being, yes. not a way of doing. Yeah. Almost like uh, we're not supposed to strive for these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I think in the, with the Ten Commandments, like you're saying there, those are things we're trying to, to mm-hmm. emulate and do. Yeah. And this is really mm-hmm. speaking to people who are already in these situations. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but I don't know if that's where we want to jump to yeah. yet or not. Well, let's start with the setting. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jesus sees the crowds, and I think we, it's worth reminding ourselves that in Matthew, Matthew's trying to achieve this new Moses kind of um, persona for Jesus. And uh, as we've said last week, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so everything he does has a certain um, echo or veneer of something that might have happened in in the Torah or the Old Testament yes. with Moses. So, you know, when Moses goes up the mountain, 
it's so God can be hidden from all the people. And Moses alone goes up there mm-hmm. to hear the voice of God and then deliver the news. But here Jesus go, sees the crowds, goes up to be seen, yeah. you know, sits down, turns around, wow. they see his face, and he begins to speak and teach them. So it's, an, it's great that you brought up the Ten Commandments right away because I think mm-hmm. there, is, there is a certain corollary thing going on, not a, not a contradiction or a either or, but a whole different way of interpreting everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's an interesting setting to me. And, uh, it certainly is. Yeah. It certainly is. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you, you described those, those Jesus and Moses parallels quite powerfully. I, I didn't think about how, um, in quite the terms that you said that, um, God, uh, calls Moses to go up the mountain in part. So Moses can be alone with God because the people can't see God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very prominent theme in the Torah and um, throughout the Hebrew scriptures in a way that you can't see God and live, Mm -hmm. that God's holiness and power is just too much for us to take in some way. And that in this passage, Jesus is going up the mountain so he can be seen and he's giving uh, uh, this incredibly powerful moral and ethical set of teachings. And not only is he displaying incredible wisdom and eloquence, but he is teaching with divine authority. Mm-hmm. He is referencing the Hebrew scriptures and saying, you have heard it said, let's say, you know, you shall love your neighbor. Um, but I say to you, mm-hmm. also love your enemy. I mean, I'm right. paraphrasing a little bit. That comes later in the Sermon on the Mount, but mm-hmm. it's part of this teaching. Right. Nobody else could say, but I say to you, you, right. know, you the scriptures say this, I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> augmenting it in yeah. some way or modifying it or, or whatever Playing fast um, and loose. you know yeah yeah he doesn't appeal to any other authority yeah. uh he's he claims divine authority which obviously yeah. puts him in a different class than mm-hmm. moses mm-hmm. um but ob- on the edge of their yeah so he, right. he's like moses but he's also like god in terms of the mount sinai when i para- preach i'm gonna say you heard it said in John's sermon, <laughs> but I say, please that. do that. We, we got to, <laughs> yeah, be amazing. I'm just kidding. Up to theatrics. No, yeah. To take sorry. a page from the WWE. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we should right. have like feuds. Be <laughs> music. Yeah. No, no, I, this is great. You're keep going. Cause um, yeah. you're right. It's right in line with that idea that mm-hmm. he's, he's bringing them up to a new place. Yeah. Now, Rob, you mentioned something about how these refer to states that people are already in. Mm. And this, I think, tees us up to talk about the differences between the Beatitudes, only four of them that appear in the Gospel of Luke in the so-called Sermon on the Plain, Mm -hmm. and these eight Beatitudes that appear in Matthew. They're the same in some ways, but they're different Mm -hmm. in other ways, uh, including um, uh, how much they refer to one's sort of material given uh, or seemingly unalterable condition. Uh, versus how much they refer to um, spiritual qualities that perhaps can be cultivated, perhaps regardless mm-hmm. of one's material circumstances. Yeah, and I think it's one of the most interesting things yeah. uh, to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wh- what do you all think? Well, and and one person I I was reading online, I like how they phrased it. These are a description, not a prescription. Huh. Um, you know, so it's this is where people find themselves, and it's not saying. You're going to, and we can get into what blessed means because I think yeah. nowadays we have kind of a, a mm-hmm. one understanding when we associate, you know, the, the word yeah. blessed. But this is very different. But he's saying um, these people aren't blessed because they're those things, uh, but like um, in spite of it. Yeah, I think the word blessed can be a little problematic. 
Um, I think in the Greek, uh, the word is makarios. Mm -hmm. And problematic, I say, because we, we, we're limited in the ways we can translate, I think, mm -hmm. that, that um, more it's a complex word, I think. But sometimes it's translate. well, the connotation of blessed can sound a little pious or, you know, a little removed, like self-righteous can be the poor in spirit mm. or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're mm -hmm. reading it in the wrong way, but that's yeah. the connotation. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that oh, was my shirt, John. <laughs> it was your I shirt. I almost wore that today. Where is it? Throwing some shade <laughs> on the t-shirt. But exactly, like, I think um, I'm so blessed. You know, it just sounds very, very pious yeah, in some does. ways. It does. Yeah. And then I've also seen it translated happy. You yeah. know, happier mm -hmm. they... Um, maybe in Luke it's happier they or something, but yeah, anyway, yeah. that does appear in the English yeah. translation, they use and that, that a lot connotes in the Psalms too. yes, it connotes um, an emotional state, mm -hmm. which of course, if you're mourning, you're not going to be ha happy, and it's not very yeah. helpful. I think it's so mm -hmm. confounding to to consider happier those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I mean, so I have heard uh, from again. James Allison, he's so wise, and I, I can't help bringing him up again, but he paraphrases this word to combine these two ideas of blessed and happy in this word radiant. Mm -hmm. um, he, it's good. more descriptive, you know, that a person who is poor in spirit, you know, knowing their need for God, or sometimes we interpret poor in spirit to someone who really knows they, they are not, they need God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know the radiance of a person who who's aware that they depend on God and that everything comes from God and you know their need to seek and find and be found by God. It creates a certain radiance, you know, or, or a person who we think of as uh, merciful um, is someone who who radiates a certain charism of, of compassion and you know you can just sense it and feel it and I really appreciate that paraphrase because if you go through all of these beatitudes and use the word radiant you know radiant of those in, in, who mourn mm -hmm. I mean the tenderness and pathos and absolute pain of mourning it's it's a it's a state of being that you can't touch it if you're not in it, you know, and, and in the person who's mourning and throwing themselves on the comfort of God, mm. um, it just puts a person in that uh, vulnerable place of receiving mm -hmm. from what they can only get from God, yeah. you know, and I, and comfort of, of one another and their neighbor and us and we who are their neighbors. But um, it's, it's just all these things I think are a disposition of, Humility and mm -hmm. receptivity, yeah, yeah. you know. Beautiful. So I think yeah. for me that opens it up quite a bit to it's, to make it descriptive. Well, and and, um, and you brought and, I, and specifically with this verse, that word "comforted" there at the end isn't like what we would think of as comfort, but it comes from the Greek word "paraclete," which a paraclete mm. would have been an advocate mm -hmm. uh, for somebody. Mm -hmm. And so this is saying it's not just like they're there, you know. Um, and addressing the situation, but actually advocating on behalf of. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, it really says something about the action that's mm -hmm. happening to them in yeah. this. You know, yeah. is it yeah. God advocating on behalf of us? Are mm -hmm. we to advocate on behalf of these people? Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot there to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there's an eschatological context mm -hmm. and, and reference to these teachings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about how Jesus is, is like Moses. In Matthew's depiction, therefore, like a great prophet, like a great teacher of, of divine law. And uh, uh, another strain of, of Hebrew tradition that Jesus is picking up 
is uh, the apocalyptic tradition, which uh, emerges later in the Hebrew scriptures, uh, looking towards a time of, um, of, of a great shaking of the earth, of a great overturning of the social order, even the cosmic order, perhaps, depending on how you read some of these texts, um, that, that God will bring about and uh, that, that people were increasingly expecting at, at the time of Jesus, that God will bring about through the Messiah. So Jesus being the Messiah, uh, even though he's not out in the open, uh, as the Messiah at this stage in Matthew, clearly that's coming, um, is naturally going to have uh, a, a, an eschatological or an apocalyptic mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, reference to a lot of his teachings. And, and I think that um, uh, that's at least part of, of how uh, you know, these are to be interpreted, that, that mm-hmm. there is a time coming mm-hmm. where the people who are dispossessed, uh, the people who are at the bottom of the ladder, um, will be not necessarily on top. It's more like the ladder will be abolished, I would say. <laughs> but they will be um, in, uh, it, they will be able to enjoy uh, uh, the, the, the goodness of, of the world and of creation, you know, inherit the earth right. sort of thing. That uh, that they that they really um, deserve by virtue of being you know created in the divine image and so on that mm-hmm. that um, that that God is coming to to um, to bring justice and, and righteousness to the earth mm-hmm. um, so so I think that that's part of it but also yeah I, I I like the the present day sense of it as well that even in the midst of great trials and tribulations um, if you maintain a posture of of inward humility and uh, dependence upon God, um, then you are radiant. You are you are in a blessed or blessed state, um, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't always feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, this is the text for All Saints Sunday. I mean, these right. are yeah. qualities of holy or saintly mm-hmm. people. Um, I guess yeah. to turn turn to the um, uh, question of of turn back to the question of how this um, sits alongside the Lucan um, beatitudes. Uh, you know, in, in Luke, we have blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That one's the same. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. Um, and, uh, and then in Matthew, we get blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we get these spiritualizing phrases. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm-hmm. All right, so th- they have a different... Yeah. different valence right, than it's in true. Luke. Point. It's true. And so in Luke, yeah, Jesus does seem to be saying, um, and more straightforwardly, um, if you're poor, if you're hungry, you are blessed in some way, or you are blessed in some way. In Matthew, um, he almost seems to be sidestepping the question of one's social status or mm-hmm. material mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, status yeah. and, and talks about more inward qualities right. which is such an emphasis throughout the sermon on the mount that it's about what's in the heart now um that's uh a really interesting tension that um, various people feel either can or cannot be resolved but i think it's one that's really worth talking about i think matthew mm-hmm. has a complicated it depicts jesus as having a, a complex attitude towards wealth um at various turns he criticizes wealth and uh there are stories that that seem to point to the dangers of, of being wealthy, such as the parable, not the parable, the story of the rich young ruler or the rich young man who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus says, keep the commandments. And he's like, I do that. And he's like, great, there's one more thing you must do. Mm -hmm. Sell all your possessions and come follow me. And the man just can't do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, how hard it is to enter for somebody who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle Mm -hmm. than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. On the other hand, you know, Jesus um, is is friends friendly with, with people who are wealthy. I guess we don't. I'm not thinking about how it it appears so much in Matthew, but certainly throughout the Gospels, Jesus um, has uh, patrons, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, some of whom are women, by the Mm -hmm. way. We get that in Luke. Um, Jesus, you know, calls uh, tax collectors to follow him. Uh, Jesus, including Matthew, right, right. You know, <laughs> Jesus doesn't always tell the the wealthy people he encounters that they can no longer be wealthy and mm-hmm. follow him. It's it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a there's a, an interesting dynamic here. Um, but yeah, I think it it, it kind of gives um, gives us the difference between uh, what what Rob said earlier. You know, is this a description or a prescription? Mm-hmm. And you know, personally, as somebody who's quite interested in spiritual practices and Eastern style meditation. Um, I, I'm, I honestly like the prescription, mm. <laughs> you know, I, I totally, you know, I'm on board with it being descriptive in certain ways, but I, I like to think that Jesus is also giving us things to aim for. Mm-hmm. And actually I'll, I'll, I've been talking long enough, so I'll, I'll save it. But, but one of these came up in a really interesting way on a Buddhist meditation retreat oh. I was on. Oh, I'd love to hear um, about so that. So I think there's a real connection yeah. between between these things, yeah. Yeah, in a third way, I, you know, to add to prescriptive or descriptive is inviting. I think Jesus mm, is yeah, very yeah. much inviting. And in Matthew, I see him as the consummate wisdom teacher. Um, mm-hmm. Teaching yeah. is so much emphasized in Matthew, um, whereas, you know, Moses was the great teacher of the law and the deliver- bringer of the law. Uh, Jesus is is a, a wisdom teacher. And, and um, I find in Matthew has a very neutral relationship to wealth because mm-hmm. he yeah. doesn't cling to any of it and he he's constantly dispelling this myth that you know blessings are shown in one's wealth or possessions Definitely. Definitely. you know it's an absolute farce that he he tries to bring an end to that idea uh, that it's a sign of god's favor mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. know and yeah. i think this may or may not be the gospel where we get the widow's might in the temple she's giving all that she has and it's only two coins. Sounds like it's in um, Matthew, yeah. I, I think it is Matthew, but um, he uses money a lot to just show where our allegiances are. Yes. Um, and that first one, to, you know, to be poor in spirit. Um, to and it, I guess to, I guess Luke maybe shows this better. But um, blessed are the poor, for they will theirs is the kingdom of God. Um, the kingdom in, when you choose poverty or you're you're in poverty and and. You, you can make God your king and not wealth. And right. that applies to all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all worshiping wealth and mm-hmm. following after wealth. And, you know, wealth is a funny word. It makes us sound like we're all trying to be billionaires. But wealth is anything that we want to just possess and consume and mm-hmm. buy and yeah. Yeah. chase after on any scale. And, um, you know, I think when that becomes our kingdom and our definition of success or comfort or security, um, that's our kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, it is, and, yeah. uh, to be poor, I think in this context means to, to relinquish that clinging and to be willing to go and seek the better, the good of others and, um, find ways to give to the poor around us. Um, so I don't know, well, but, mm-hmm. <coughs> and, and I suppose, like you said, like Luke's version definitely is more, uh, saying specifically the poor and, you know, and things like that. Um, 
and, and these are more spiritual, but you know, even at the end when people revile you and you're persecuted and things like that. So these are people who are finding themselves and are going to find themselves in some tough situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and more, more so with the Lucan, but even with this version, I always, it kind of brings me back to like some of the liberation theology type mm-hmm. stuff that, that got, uh, you know, where they would say God is on the side of the poor and the oppressed and things like that. And it's not saying that, that, um, God doesn't care for those who are oppressing them, but it's, um, that both are looking to be liberated. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I loved when it's, you know, talking about people in these situations, um, Oscar Romero had a great quote that said, uh, there are many things that can only be seen through eyes that have cried. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and mm-hmm. so it's, you know, there yeah. are certain mm-hmm. things, certain views of God that we can glimpse, mm-hmm. uh, when we're going through these trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. It's not saying that, that we're meant to suffer, but, Mm-hmm. that there are certain views that we gain yeah. from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of trials and tribulations, one thing I meant to say is that the difference between Luke and Matthew um, is they had a completely different context in mm-hmm. which they are written. Yeah. The temple has been destroyed, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, they're facing this whole uh, ostracization from the synagogue. There's yeah. so many factions. Um, you know, they're looking to, to who is really going to be their teacher in this period, and the Pharisees and all these sects are competing to be the teachers, you know, the authorities. And so I think Jesus, once again, being the wisdom teacher, it maybe the crisis for the Mythian community isn't as much, um, or I just glean this from the text, is that they're facing not as much poverty maybe as the Lucan community, and their their po- their crisis is more in their um, their politics, their mm-hmm. establishment, their uh, reality of how they will exist as a community and distinguish themselves and so on. And in Luke, um, you know, the whole gospel is about the people on the margins and the the very, very Mm -hmm. vulnerable. So I just think that who they're writing for and speaking to sort of filters a little bit how the stories are Mm -hmm. not only told, but how they were heard. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so they're not in contradiction, but they're they're addressing a different touch point in the soul for these communities. So. And, and of course, it's always possible that Jesus said, you know, gave this teaching more than once and mm-hmm. sure, offer them in slightly different ways. Yeah. I feel like that's sometimes overlooked in I, biblical yes. commentaries and scholarship. Like, oh, yeah, you know, this was this that. was edited to make it apply to right. these people. He only said each thing <laughs> <Right>. one time. <laughs> well, it's like, come on. There is, but there. but I think I'm the broken but record. Still, there's a question of why Luke selected, mm-hmm. you know, pr- offered it this way and why Matthew offered it that way. I mean, it's, I think it's a both and. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes me think of the meme where Jesus is saying, "All right, I'm only going to tell you this one time, so I don't want to hear multiple versions of my story." That's hilarious. <laughs> but there, yeah. uh, <laughs> so he did but, not get his wish. But they, you know, they had specific yeah. things they were trying to convey to yeah. their community, so it makes oh, sense. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, coming soon to a podcast near that's you. That's right. No right. T-shirt. Well, I think we're we're kind of out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, any last words, though? Do you want to? I'll just say what, what came up on the meditation yeah. retreat. I was, um, this was a silent retreat, but we got to talk to um, a teacher like for 10 minutes once mm-hmm. every few days or something like that. And um, the one I was talking to mentioned this, this beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God, that that is what the practice of meditation is all about. Mm-hmm. It's about um, purifying one's, one's heart from uh, attachments and from confusion and uh, uh, therefore being able to see, mm-hmm. you know, to see yeah. what's real, to see what's true, to see what's good, mm-hmm. um, and to be able to, to live into that. And I thought that was very profound and uh, just a great, you know, connection, one of so many between 
um, the Christian religion and, and Buddhism and other, and other traditions, or wisdom yeah, traditions, that Jesus here is a wisdom teacher, and this connects to other wisdom mm-hmm. traditions. And um, yeah, Cynthia Bourgeau yeah. talks about pure here as the unified heart. Yes, you know, indeed. A heart that's not divided and yes. at odds with itself. That's right. That's right. And that's where you meet meet the divine. Yeah, exactly yeah, right. And I really would helpful. and I would just add before we get to our uh, our hotline here, um, uh, as as you're getting ready to celebrate All Saints Day, this gives us a good you know gives a good thing to kind of focus on and reflect on and and mm-hmm. think about what are the saintly. Uh, not only the saintly people, but how the saintly behaviors that we emulate mm-hmm. uh, in our lives. And my T-shirt, I'm just wearing a, ah. a false St. Christopher. I've got St. Christopher walking on my shirt. That's a little more tongue-in-cheek yeah. kind of thing. But uh, I'd love if, to see but, but one who I do strive to emulate. I got, uh, you know, my, oh, wow. my personal patron St. Mr. Rogers oh, here. Wow. So got to shout out <laughs> to Justin Christ for this one. That's He's, right. You, you and he follow the school of... of uh, Mr. Rogers. Uh, and I know, John, oh, you're a big true. Mr. Rogers well fan. <laughs> I, I, I am a big Mr. Rogers yeah. fan. Yeah. He's a he's one of a kind. That's right. Really an yes. incredible special person. Thanks for that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. There is, again, so much to be said and, and mm. pondered around this text. Uh, please leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. The hotline is 203-442-5002. 203 and share your thoughts, engage with us. We'd love to hear your your responses to these uh, thoughts that we offer. Um, and also just to find out who you are. We, it's great to hear from you. And we have a voicemail waiting for us. We'd love to hear it. Well, good morning. I am a first-time caller, long-time listener. My name is Ryan Gerlach. I am a pastor in Orlando, Florida. I just wanted to say I absolutely love uh, what you all are doing. Um, I praise God for you and your ministry. Uh, and I do have to say, I, um, I glean so much from just your, um, your depth that you go into, um, the scriptures. And I, I also have to admit that I do borrow, I wholly borrow. I don't steal, uh, some of your analogies that I, I'm in madly in love with. For example, the lick the bowl, um, context. Thing. I, I've, I've used that in uh, two sermons now. So thank you very much for all you do. Keep up the great work, and God bless you. Thank you, thank you. Glad to hear our, our most salient points make it out into the sermon. That's right. That's <laughs> what it's about. No, that's wonderful to hear from Ryan. It is. It is, especially to know that, that we're uh, of, of use in some way to, to people who are coworkers uh, in ministry. Yeah. Uh, really wonderful to know that you're out there. Thank you for, for calling. Yeah, thanks and, a lot. And I wholly borrowed that from a meme anyway. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of cool that we're all diving into these scriptures together. Mm-hmm. Um, both those of us, uh, you know, those of us mm-hmm. who are uh, clergy or any type of, you know, even lay ministers or whatever, mm-hmm. and those who are at home doing study groups. We've got St. Mark's as our, our pod pod going, mm-hmm. uh, f- folks who are getting together and studying these as a group. So Yeah, doing what you... we're doing offline, which is exactly. so great. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Rob. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Have a great week. Oh, 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 oh,